good to take time this Memorial Weekend before our barbecues and whatever else we're doing on the beach that we remember those that paid the ultimate price, right? And we can think of loved ones if maybe you visit cemeteries and saw the flags and just our, our veterans that, that, that paid that ultimate, that ultimate price for us. But I also reflect on Jesus, right? We remember Jesus and greater love than no man than this said he laid down his life for his friends and Jesus modeled that to us ultimately for all humanity and so we remember Jesus today Memorial Day really is every day as we remember Christ and what he's done uh, but if you're here today and you're new I want to welcome you as well this Memorial Weekend I'm Dan I serve as the pastor here great to have you and great to have you online and I just want to say those that are online that we would love for you to come back and be a part of what we're doing here that the Bible says do not forsake the gathering together as some have, are in the habit of doing. And sometimes we can get out of the habit of, of coming in person. So when you're ready, we'd love for you to come back. When you feel like it's, it's safe for you to be back here with us, uh, there's something special about being in the room and being in person. And as Logan says, we're starting to slowly see whatever normal is going to look like, but it's starting to feel like really like normal. So that's, that's really neat as, as we go along. But great this morning to be with you here. And in fact, today we're wrapping up a series that we've been doing here for this last month called Mind Over Matters. And we've been spending some time just thinking about our thinking. And I didn't know this until this week after the whole month we've been doing this, but May is actually Mental Awareness Month. And, and so I thought, wow, we, that's what we've been focusing on. We've been focusing on what we are aware of in our thinking. And I think that's a key thing is being aware, then you begin to think, okay, maybe I need to be thinking differently of what's happening. And we all, we all know this, that this, this pandemic, the, the physical pandemic, pan, pandemic has brought a mental pandemic. And, and just hear and to see and you know people and even yourself that's been affected all this. And so what do we do with that? There's some damage that's been done. How do we work on the repairs for that as we move into what is next? And whatever next is, we're not guaranteed much, much of anything when it comes to everything is going to be better now. We know there's always something else in life. I mean, we unparalleled what we've gone through this last year is very unique, but there's going to be challenges along the way. So how do we continue to, in our, in our lives, work? through the mental part, the, 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 the things that we think about that affect us, that really affect our faith. This one thing we've been saying over and over is this, is that, that you know, that, that, uh, that our lives move in the direction of our, our strongest thoughts. And so it, it has taken a toll on us. And, and so today, as we take some time, really wrap up what we're going to be been, been focusing on, I'm going to spend some time talking about anxiety. Pre-COVID, statistics were about 11% of the population was dealing with anxiety and depression. Now, after getting out on the other side of the pandemic, it's up to 41%. And so that might be some of you, people that you know. And so anxiety. Today, we're going to wrap up talking about anxiety. Of course, it's connected with, with, connected with fear, and, and fear is not a, a bad thing, right? Fear, God has wired us with the emotion of fear, for, with fear so that we don't, you know, we don't do dumb stuff, okay? And you guys, you know, I'm going to call you out a little bit. Us guys find ourselves in our macho-ness and brave, we think we're brave. We kind of kind of do stupid stuff. I, I remember as a kid and things my friends would, would try to do to coax you to do, I can jump this, I can do this. And of course, of course, the joke is, you know, with guys sometimes like when someone says, hey, Bill, hold my beer, you know 
somebody's going to get injured. Like somebody is going to go to the emergency room, right? So fear is not a, a bad thing, but what we do with our fear, right? What, when we dwell on the things that bring fear to us, that's where anxiety happens, unhealthy fear. Max Lucado put it this way about fear and anxiety. He says, anxiety and fear are cousins, but not twins. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. Isn't that true? There's a distinction that's, that's there. And, and I think some of us kind of, we, we kind of shortchange ourselves to think that we're not very creative people. No, we're, we're really good with imaginations, are we? We can conjure up things. I, I love this. I think we got it up here, this little diagram. Uh, there should be a little, di do we have a little diagram? Oh, it's coming up. It's coming up. There it is. I, I, I just thought this was really comical and yet so true. You know, the things I, I worry about, right? The things that can happen, the things that do happen, right? There's a small, small percentage that what actually will end up happening. But it's that small little percentage of going, ah, there's still a chance it could happen. And so we get plagued with the what ifs, right? The what ifs of, you know, like this, it happens in life. What if my spouse or my kids, if something happens to them, what if one of them dies or has a terrible disease? What if I die? I get sick. What, what will happen to my family? What, what if I lose my job? What, that, that was a reality for people this last year. What, what if we don't? Some of us a few months ago, what if we never really get past this pandemic, right? We're all kind of cautiously optimistic on all this, right? Oh, now you can't, you know, now, okay, what, what, what's really going to happen? And over time, we, we find ourselves, we can get overwhelmed with worry. And if we don't deal with our anxiety, we get in kind of a, a pattern of loop, loops on repeat. First, we talked about, First week we talked about soundtracks that we play. We have a playlist that we keep going to when we're hungry and we're tired and we're frustrated and we're bored or we're you know upset or whatever it might be. We just have a bad day or bad week. We have these go-tos that we go to where we hit the play and many, many times they're negative soundtracks that we play over and over. And our minds run wild and those get triggered and especially in the middle of the night. I've had some of those wake up at three in the morning, just can't get it out of your, out of your brain. And it weighs on us. And as I said before, our, li our lives are moving in the, the direction of our strongest thoughts. We're affected by this. Worry, in fact, it's not just, just uh, emotional and spiritual, but it's even physical. Stress does, and worry and anxiety does something to our, our very bodies. An excess of secretion of acid can build up in our stomachs, which many people can get ulcers. And just, just reminded recently that cortisol, which is a stress-reducing hormone, hormone when, you're, when your body's under stress and anxiety, it, re it, it reduces a lot of it, more than you really need, and it affects your body. In fact, it can narrow your, your arteries in, in, your, in your body that can lead to heart problems and heart disease. Dr. Charles Mayo, founder of the Mayo Clinic, was quoted saying this. He says, worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. He says, I've never met a man or woman who died of overwork, but I know a lot of people have died of, of worry. So, some, so many things we know is, is obvious, but what do we cope? Well, Many times we cope, we, we numb ourselves. We, we look for things to get us through. Entertainment, you know, certain forms of, of, of substance use, 
People drink a lot of alcohol, people smoke, people, people use drugs. And what happens is over time, it just masks really the deeper issues that are there. And many of you know this already. You can go through treatment. I know a friend that went through you know, weeks of treatment. He spent probably one of the best treatment centers in the country, but he left the last week of treatment. He got clean, he got sober, but when he started wanting to have to deal with the issues that are there, he didn't do that. He came home and he, his life was horrible because they, he'd remove alcohol was the, was the numbing substance and he became violent. He, became, he, he had to go back and deal with the issues that are there, there that brought fear and anxiety in his life. But how do we overcome that? How do we get through and push through and get over anxiety? You know, if you think about what's worrying you today and what's overwhelming you, how do we get how do we get past this as such a plague in our life? Well, here's just kind of a little picture of it. Uh, so I want you to picture this this man named Jack. Jack is doing hiking on his own. He's looking over the edge of a cliff and he slips and he's starting to fall to his death. But he grabs onto a branch and he's hanging on for dear life and he's crying, "Help! Help! 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 Help!" You know, there's nobody anywhere. And finally, he cries out, God, if you're there, help me. And God speaks to him and says, Jack, I see where you're at. I want to help you. And, and Jack's like, yes, Lord, if that's you, I will do whatever I can. I haven't lived a really good life. I, will, I, commit, I, I, I commit to live a good life. I commit to you. I'll follow you. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. And then and God says, okay, Jack, if that's true, I want you to do one thing. And one thing is going to save your life. You need to let go of the branch. Jack's response is, God, is there anyone else out there? You know, is there anyone that can help me with? And I think that's the picture for us many times when it comes to fear. Fear overwhelms us enough that we latch on, and really what we're going for is a sense of control. And I want to tell you this morning as we go into this, God wants to speak to us and say, it's time. It's time to let go, but it's hard for us to do because the form of fear has a lot to do and, and, and the control, the, con, the control we want in our life. And that's, that's true this whole last year. Everything just seems out of control and it, all that's happened. And so what do we do? We, we, we griply tight, especially the people that we love and, and we care about their safety and their future. And parents, we do this. And maybe it's your job you've done this this year, your health and all these things. Fear will grip us. Think about this. What does fear do? It grips us in such a way, but it causes us to tighten up. It causes us to, to hold on. In some ways, it feels like for dear life. And what, if we're not careful, what we do with fear is we actually, this is kind of crazy, is we actually can worship it. We, in fact, we could worship or I, I came across this article the other day. It's from the ADAA. I've never heard of this group, but the Anxiety Depression Association of America. And this article came out and talk, it's titled this, How to Stop Worshiping an Anxious Mind. The psychologist wrote this. He says that we worship our minds when we think about what it says very seriously. You believe if your mind says something, it will be important. It must mean something. No matter how much your mind is to you, you give it the uttermost respect and trust. And he says this, that's the problem. It's your torturer, and yet you worship it. 
If you take everything it says seriously and give it too much respect and put too much trust in your mind, that is a recipe for anxiety disorder. Don't worship your mind. Recognize it is a false God, unworthy of your trust, respect, time, and attention. It was a secular medical journal article that, that told, is telling us do not cave into what is idolatry. Idolatry is something where we worship something or someone higher than God. Is there a time when we can find ourselves worshiping worry? Sarah Young, who wrote Jesus Calling, says this, anxiety is a result imagining a future without God. Anxiety is a, is a result of imagining a future with God, without God. And I think most of us in the room have asked you, you believe in God. You go, of course, of course I do. Do you believe in Jesus and what he's done? I, yes, I believe in Jesus. But what happens when bad news happens? What happens when things come our way? What is our reaction, right? Many times it's panic rather than seeking the Lord and going to him. I, I'm guilty of that as well. And I, I find myself as much as in my mind and my heart, I know I believe in Jesus and what he's done. I, I follow him. There's these moments that I have where I can go through a period of time, maybe maybe you know, maybe a day or two or whatever, and I'm so compulsive about what I'm thinking about, I realize that I've made that my God rather than God himself. And we can practice atheism we don't really even realize it. Fear, we have in our forms in our mind, and it creates these compulsive thoughts over and over and over. And what we think we try to do is this. We try to create these loops over and over and over again and what happens is we can't take control of them because that's the problem is we can't take control so what i would encourage you today to kind of sum up what we're going to be talking about is this overcoming anxiety is letting go of being in control but trusting in god overcoming anxiety is letting go of being in control and trusting god now how do we trust god how do we do that? Well, we, we recognize this, is that, that God is in control, that he, he, he's over all things, and then even greater this is know that he has the best in mind for us. When we know that he's all-powerful and all in control, and that he loves us and has the best in mind for us, that's where we can find a pathway toward getting over anxiety. But this is really difficult to do, isn't it? It's very hard to do. But when we do this, this is a step of faith that we take, and really it comes down to trust and believing in that. And this is what I learned about faith is, that faith isn't something of ascension of belief. It's not just having a set of values that we hold ourselves to. It's not even just this theological understanding that we believe in God, and, and no, no, faith, faith is a muscle. You realize that? Faith is a muscle that when you exercise it, it becomes Stronger, And I want to lead us in an exercise that God gives us in his word this morning that I want to turn to for help. Because I could give you good advice, you could give me good advice about just get over it. Just, you know, someone says, you know, you just need to calm down. You ever had anybody tell you that? Just calm down. I am calm, you know, and you're gritting, you're gritting your teeth. That doesn't work. Just, just simmer down, right? Just calm down. No, we need help beyond that in our lives to be able to get through it. And the best way to turn is God's word. We've been doing some reading here in this last, this last month in Mind Over Matters. We've been reading, we read through Ephesians and, and we, we just finished through 
we just finished uh, Philippians and then we're into Colossians. And just the other day, fi- finishing up Philippians chapter four, I'm going, oh, this is what we're gonna talk about today that I wanna, I wanna get to. Paul here, who wrote this, is a calling to exercise faith and some steps that we're going to look at about how we can keep calm. Maybe you heard the, the phrase, recently it's kind of come out where it's been put out there in little posters and little memes of keep calm, carry on. We've seen that, keep calm, carry on. Well, that came from World War II and in Great Britain in 1939. They, they put posters all over Great Britain and telling the citizens of England just keep calm and carry on. Even though bombs are going to be coming, and they did, just keep calm, keep working, keep doing what you're doing. It was a great inspirational thing. And, and really the resilience of, as I remember so many people that have passed here in Memorial Day, these are people that we look up to going, man, how they endured and how they got through it. They kept calm and, and carried on. I want to remind us that we have an enemy that wants to come and bomb us all the time with negativity, the what-if thoughts and everything. Satan himself wants to throw these what-if bombs at us, and we need to be ready say, how do we take steps to keep calm and moving through? Well, here's the thing about calmness. It is an emotion, but it's more than that. It can be an exercise. And that's what Paul lays out for us that we're going to look at today, an idea of keeping calm. And so in your in your programs today, there's some filling. You got a pen. You can write some of these thoughts down. This is going to get, I hopefully, highly practical for you. If you're online, I encourage you to write these these four four phrases down that we're going to be looking at today about how to keep calm. Max Lucado is the one who gives credit to these that I think are just really really helpful. The first is this: in keeping calm, is this is to celebrate God's goodness as we get into. sorry, Philippians 4 that we're going to look at here, verse by verse, this is what Paul says and what that that really can mean is this, is to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, I will say it again, rejoice. I love how he words that, of of just rejoice in the Lord always, and then I guess say again, rejoice. What are you saying? We need to rejoice. Uh, And and you think about the word rejoice. It it means rejoice each day. Re means to go back to as an attitude, a behavior, a commitment. And what I find myself is I can get, have joyous moments, but I need to be reminded to, to rejoice and really in, in, actually do that every day. To rejoice really is a choice that I make to go back and to thank God by, by celebrating what he's already done. Yes, we're in need. Yes, we're dealing with this anxiety and all that we're going through. But one of the things we need to do is go back to what he's really done. And he says, when you've done this, then he says this, then let your gentleness be evident to all. You can tell when a person's not dealing, you know, beyond anxiety is when they, they, there's, a, there's a gentleness about, there's a calmness about them that, that really will talk about what we get out of the experience of that. And then he says this, the Lord is near. That can be comforting and terrifying at the same time, right? If you think about the Lord is near, he's always everywhere, he's, in, he's everywhere you're at, he's in your thoughts, he's, he knows your thoughts, and that can kind of be scary. Well, it can be very intimidating if you view God as, as he's just waiting for you to mess up and he's gonna, he's gonna squash you. But the opposite is true. And you know this as parents. You know that 
that as a parent, you want the best for your kids. And yes, they mess up, and yes, you have expectations for them, but you still want the best. You, you hope for the best. And that's what, that's what the Lord wants for us. So he's near, but he's near because he's wanting to bring comfort, bring care. And he's near to know that he, he is in control, and you don't have to be. So we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate what God has done already, but, but do this is to ask for God's help, to ask for God's help. I have to confess, I kind of said it a minute ago, that when, when life hits hard, when you get an e- unexpected email or you get a phone call or just terrible, terrible news, our first reaction, and my action many times, to be honest, is to panic. It's just the panic and just like, oh man, it's overwhelming. And sometimes it's just seconds and then I, then I pray, say, God, you got this. And let's admit it, sometimes it's actually could go hours, even days that we get caught up in it and we get into the news of all that goes on. Let me ask you this question. Is your first reaction to bad news panic or prayer? Paul ta- tackles this problem in this next verse. He says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. He gives us some encouragement. <laughs> really? Paul, do not be anxious about anything? <laughs> and that's, you know, are you talking, well, something, no, anything, anything that comes our way. That is a hard thing to do, because I find this is that, that, that the anxiousness is sometimes it's not just sudden things that happen, it's the slow buildup of things happen. This circumstance happens and this and so this goes on and there's this chain reaction right you start with a really bad thing that happened and this things that progressively get worse and anxiety you know the feeling it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and it, you just feel it as it goes on and and things that maybe are a little bit small it's like almost a needle on the haystack of all that goes on and one more thing your your biggest fear isn't it that one more thing i can't handle anymore if one more thing comes and guess what what that one thing does come and the reality is you you panic so much that every little thing that maybe is negative becomes a huge thing anybody with me on that and it overwhelms us and we live this life and that's what, that's what anxiety does. And it's like toxins in our soul that build up. And over time, what we keep doing is trying to grab the control. We do not want to let go of that branch for dear life. And yet God's saying, it's time to let go. And what happens when we don't is this worry about our future cripples us and ourselves in the present. Corey Ten Boom, who was imprisoned by the Nazis for helping the Jews escaped the Holocaust, wrote this. So put that in context who this was. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. You and I, we rob today. We rob what the, the relationships and the goodness and what God has done. We rob the joy that we can have in the present when we're worrying about the future. We can miss out being in, in a moment, in an opportunity with those that we love and those we care about because we're fixated in what is next. And we lose what Paul offers and what God offers, what he expresses is one thing, and that's peace. And to get the peace that's there, thirdly, we've got to do this. We've got to celebrate. We've got we to ask God for help. But then what we really do, this is the step of faith letting go is this, is to leave your concerns with him, to leave your concerns with him. So he says this, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but everything, prayer and petition, he says this, with thanksgiving, 
Present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. In thankfulness, he will answer. And this is the challenge of prayer. The challenge of prayer is it's not a formula. Even though there's scripture that says, pray and God will answer. But you know, and I know, that God is God in his sovereignty. And so he's going to answer your prayer and my prayer the way that he wants to answer it because he is God. He is infinite. We are not. And the, and the challenge with prayer is this, is that we're to present our request to God, but we get some doubt sometimes that we're presenting him the right way and then it, he even is really hearing him. No, God hears every single prayer. And here's something that you might have a disagreement with me on. He actually answers every single prayer. It's just how he answers that prayer, right? And I think at times where prayer does not become a forefront for us is that we're not always seeing the answers in the way that we want it. So we kind of, we give up on prayer. The challenge with that I found is when I don't pray specifically for the needs, I'll never know if God answered my prayer because I never kept track. So prayer is not so much this wishful thinking. It's actually just simply partnering with God's will. And as we get closer to God and his will, and we begin to present those and know his heart, we begin to pray as he wants us to pray, and then his will will be done. There's this partnership that we see happen. And what it does is so powerful, it leads to a promise. When we choose prayer over panic, this is the promise. In verse 7, it says, this is the result. It says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I tell you, that's probably one of the most powerful promises in God to actually have peace. Peace what? That transcends all understanding. What does that mean? Beyond our comprehension. Supernatural peace that we can have. Some of you have experienced that in crisis. Some of you have had moments where the whole world seems to be closing in and yet this overwhelming almost a protective peace comes over you i have friends and you may have been one that that you went in you know terrible car accident just not even sure you're going to live i remember being in a rollover van accident in college and i don't know what it was but just this supernatural peace came over me like a protective shield thinking man i am stuck in this van and it's it could catch on fire and explode as I got out. Some of you know, and I could look back and say, God was so good in preserving my life and this peace that we have. See, joy and peace come in moments in our life, but it leads for us to this place of, of just really truly able to let go and let him take control. So, we celebrate what God has done. We, we ask for his help and what we need. But it's letting go. Letting go and giving it to God and leaving it to God. And then when we do, when we let go, this is what we do do. And that is we, we meditate. We meditate on good things. We meditate on good things. Paul, verse 8 says this. What do we do when we let go? He says this. Then finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. 
Think on such things. Do this. Think on these things. Think on these things, not when the day is great and the sun's out and a nice, we're going to have a sunny memorial weekend. No, it's when things are not good. It's, it's things, not when things are hunky-dory and everything life is good. No, he simply says, think on such things. To be proactive to do that. If faith is a muscle that we exercise, we need to put it to work and the exercise with the good things that we need to do, not just forsake the negative things. What are the good things? Well, he says this, to be, what is true. Isn't it easy how we gravitate to what is false very quickly over what is true? I think a lot of it is, is that we, as that famous movie line, we can't handle the truth, right? And so we, 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 we gravitate toward what's false, and we know we have an enemy that presents false things, but he presents them in such a way that sound good, and yet they're completely not. And the only way, the only way we're going to know truth is that is through Jesus who says he is the truth and the truth will set you free and specifically is God's word. For us to get God's word is to memorize it, to, to, to believe it in such a way. We've got to read it, we've got to memorize it, we've got to meditate on it and that's where we declare God's truth over and over in our lives and, and speaking over and over and over for us. So you've got to think about what is true. You've got to think about what is What is noble? Now, another word for noble is, is really what is good. What, what is good? And, and, and we live in a, in a day that we're just overwhelmed with bad news. 24-7 cycle, cycle of, of news that's on there. And I, many times through this last year, and this might be one of you, I, and the more I talk to people that are dealing with anxiety, I always ask, how much news do you watch? And it's always connected with that. I, I just, I don't understand how people... That, that don't get that. Like if, you know, because here's the thing. Yeah, well, you need to stay tuned on what's going on in the world. Sure you do. That's great. That's good to do. But you need to watch four hours of it because it's, it's just plaguing you. I, I've counseled more people this year because they're overwhelmed by the news. We need, we're kind of getting duped by the news because news sells, okay? And the reason news sells is because news is, is negative, most of it. I mean, have you ever watched like the 30-minute news, just even the local news? Do you ever, is there ever a time when all the news is good the whole time, right? Every, every news report, today there was no murders in Tacoma, which that's America. There's no murders in Tacoma. There's no murders in the world, okay? There's no, there's no crime that happened. Everything is really good. And then they go to the weather. The weather today is beautiful. It's sunny everywhere in the world, right? You know, the sports, even the sports can be good news. Guess what your team won today? Well, guess what the other team won too? You're both won today. And you're just like, how can that happen? Nobody would watch that news. It doesn't sell. Bad news sells. Bad news hooks us in, right? Keeps us, it, it promotes fear. I'm not gonna throw the, the news under the bus, but you recognize that for your life is a part of that. And so I'm not saying you shouldn't be in tune on what's going on in the news, but guess what? balancing with God's word and what he says and what's what's most important is really what it is so think about what is noble what is what is what is with that and then what is right what is right we can get we can really get off on you know not only the right things but we can also start focusing on people that that we don't see them in a right way and so this word actually here means justness justice that that a person's worthy of our relationship with them and 
And, and so, yeah, we don't always agree with the people that we're with, but they're still worthy of respect, and that's where rightness comes in. The other, justice, uh, justice with rightness. And then secondly, or next one is this, is pure. What is pure? And that is what is wholesome, what is unadulterated is really the word is. Now, when I was a, a youth pastor, I, I did this little, you know, activity with our students. I, we had a little break, and then I was about ready to speak, and while I was very ready to do that, we gave out brownies for all the, the, the kids to eat. And so they're eating these brownies, and about ready for the message. And I said, hey, I'm glad you're enjoying the brownies today. I have to confess something. I said, you know, I, it is a possibility that a little bit of dog poop got in the brownies. And these kids are eating, and they're like, what? You know, these, they're just horrified, like, what? And by the way, you know, I didn't put any of that in there. I know for sure it wasn't in there. But I said, and I said, no, I'm just kidding. But what if I wasn't? Would you still eat that brownie? You're like, oh, you know, they're, like, they're still spitting it out, right? This is just the thought of it, right? And I thought, well, it's just a little bit. Why is that a big deal? Well, a little bit taints the whole thing. Something that's a little bit impurity makes everything impure. Jesus said this, a little bit of yeast works through the whole dough. And we think of our lives in this world we live in and the polluted lives that come our way. And I'm, I live in the world too. I turn on the same Netflix as you do and try to find shows that like, well, it says MA and, you know, and then you get into about five seconds of it and you're like, oh, that is why, Right. And it's like, oh, I can't unsee that, right? And we find ourselves struggling to do that. And I'm with you on that. I want to watch something. I want to, but, you know, if something's impure, the little bit, it affects everything. It affects our lives. And I find at times, I'm not you, but you're wondering at times, why am, I, why am I distant with the Lord? Why is there not a close relationship? Is there something that polluted you in such a way that you find that? It's not that God distanced himself, but you, you have. There's, a, there's, you know, when we sin and we move away from what God is, God, we move away away from him. God's there, and we have to come back, and that's why repentance, we've been talking about how it's important to repent. It's just saying, you know, if we're distant from the Lord, you know, close friendship, we're, and be graphic, we're, we, we fill our minds with crap, okay? And pretty soon, we have to go, it's building up here. I've got to do something with it, and the word repentance means this. It means a changing of our mind, it's saying, God, I, I, want, I don't want that. I want my, my life and my heart and my mind to be pure in you. So I want to hear your voice. It's so important to do that. Next is this, to fix your minds on what is pure, also on what is lovely. What is lovely? It's easy to look out and beautiful sunset last night. It's that, we can look at things as lovely, but we also want to look at people as lovely as well. To look at people with the best in mind, not the worst. Do we see people that way? What is lovely? And then this is what is admirable. Admirable is this, is that we look in a positive attitude toward that. And we've talked over and over in this series, is it's easy to go negative. It's easy to let these thoughts that, that lead us down the, the road in our life, you become really what you think. If you are a negative person, you're going to look at the life, everything negatively, and everyone negatively. But if you look at your life positively, you begin to think the opposite. You see the best in mind, and you lead toward a gratitude of life. And yes, negative things happening, but you're putting them in perspective, all the good that's taking place. And he, the kind of the, the, the catch-all phrase that, that Paul uses at the end, he says, if anything of all that is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. See, there's intentionality to go, yes, I'm letting go of this, but I'm, I'm beginning to think and build this muscle of faith toward what is good. And we, create, we begin to create these pathways 
uh, in our minds that ultimately we're called to do this is to fix our minds on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So think about these new pathways. Think about, neuroscience calls it the rewiring of our brain. I was with a friend the other day, a pastor just retired. He had traumatic brain injury. He was not in a functioning level at all. And he went through a, 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 a week of a rehab for his brain. They, they did a scan of his brain at the beginning of the week and a scan of his brain at the end. And what they found in the therapy is that when he started out, there wasn't his, 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 both halves of his brain were not connecting. At the end of the week, there was a little bit of a path way it happened. One week. And he's kind of going, I'm hoping for the dirt path of a four-lane highway of, of, the, of the connection that was there. What does it tell you about this that yeah, we can rewire our brains physically, but God wants to renew our minds on a continual basis. And the only way we're going to do that is by exercise. The only way we're going to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ is to actually do that, actually be conscious of our thinking as we do. And this is what Paul says, his challenge with it all. He says this in verse 9. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. See, the best, if you came away and you go, man, that was the best sermon, Dan, you've ever preached, and you didn't do anything with it this week, it would be the worst sermon I've ever preached. The only way this becomes any of best of anything is you and I actually practice it. So I'm inviting you this week. This is our spiritual practice to keep calm, to keep calm. Calm is not just an emotion, it's an exercise to celebrate what God's done, to to What's A? Ask, right? Ask for help. And then leave your, your, your burdens, what you're holding on to, and then meditate in God's word. And this is the result. Look at what he says. And the peace, God's peace will be with you. Man, what else do we really, truly need? I invite our team to come as we wrap up today. If we keep this in mind, how do I practice being calm? Oh, I hope we can do that this week. I hope that you know I have some awareness and when we wake up in the morning, we get bad news or we go to work or there's, things are going to happen this week. I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, but something negative is going to happen to you this week or happen to someone, okay? I, I know I want the best week for you, but something's going to happen. How do we react to it is so key to that. But you know, there's seasons in our life. I mean, this last year, there's the levels of anxiety as we talked about, it's been the worst for so many. But I remember... This last year was uniquely challenging, but I would say several years ago, I personally went through a very difficult time. A lot of things were happening in the church, and, and so I began to develop chest pains. I was feeling it, you know, 45 years old. I'm like, this is a little too young to have heart issues. But I went into the, the, my doctor and got checked out and goes, all your vitals are great. We, they ran an EKG. He goes, physically, you're fine, but you're not fine. Go see a counselor. And for the first time in my life, I found myself in a counseling office. And I think over time, things just kind of build up, build up, build up. And there was just enough to take me over in a place. And I was really concerned because my, you know, my family had heart disease and issues with both my parents died of heart issues. But, but the doctor said, no, you need to see someone. I saw a friend of mine that I, I would recommend to anybody, but I never actually saw him. <laughs> he goes, you're in here. Yeah, and I told him what happened, and he said, "Okay, well, we can. I can work with you on this." And he said, "This is what you want to do. I want you to, I want you to breathe in. I want you to breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out." And then he says, "Come back next week. Here's your hundred dollars. Like that's." And I want to encourage you today that that really comes down to a first step is 
to breathe. Because I'm not taking deep breaths. And when I take, when I inhale and exhale, you know what it is? It's, it's a sign of letting go. I'm letting go of the worries and the strain. And breathing is a lot like prayer. Lord, going, Lord God, I, I got it here. I got to let it go. Can we practice that together? If you're watching online, can we do that? Can we just breathe in and exhale? I encourage you to, to breathe this week, to take steps. And the question I have, what, what do you, what's build up? What anxious thoughts do you have? What is it? It's time to let go of the branch. It's time to let go and let God take it. And I want to invite you in prayer to do that here, just in this moment, to practice it right now. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for life. We thank you for breath. May we not take that for granted, that you've given us every single breath of life for us to breathe in and breathe out. What happens though, we, Lord, we breathe in and we hold on to it. And I have a feeling some here today are holding their breath, they're holding on to something or someone. It's a worry, it's a concern that they're presently going through. It's a burden they're carrying. But I have a feeling some of us are holding our breath to what could happen tomorrow. And Lord, our worries today rob us of today. Our worries of what could happen tomorrow rob us of the present opportunity, Lord. And God, may we let it go. Lord, may we let it go and give to you. Lord, I pray you help us to practice calmness this week. May we, may we do that each and every day. May we wake in the morning and as we look at our day and we look at the challenges, if we look at the, the responsibilities, Lord, that we would take deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling and giving all our burdens, everything to you. And what you promise, Lord, in return, as we think and we focus and we, we present our requests to you, you said, Lord, that you could give us the peace that transcends all understanding, that guard our heart and our mind in you, Christ Jesus. That peace that we can have as we're focusing on you, truly the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, Lord, help us to practice and exercise it this week. If there's those here today that that really don't know you. They really have not practiced your presence because your presence isn't in them. May they say, Jesus, I want a new life with you. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Be in me. So, Lord, that I, allowing you to take control. And so, Lord, I let go of my life and I give it to you and I trust you for it. Lord, may we all do that each and each and every day. When we're gripping it, Lord, may we let go, trusting you and finding that the anxiety that we have diminishes our, there's a peace that we experience in such a way that our gentleness would be evident to all because, Lord, we know that you are near and in that, Lord, you draw others to you through our lives, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to